Hi everyone, I'm your host, Rami, and this is What the Health. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Lina Abusharade. She identifies as a pioneer of artivism, activism through art. As a Palestinian artist, she spent the last 12 years utilizing art mediums in order to tell the story of the Middle East, including creating award-winning videos, controversial comics, and large murals. She's also begun the social initiative Archie Smile, which has been operating the last seven years in order to empower youth through art in underserved communities and refugee camps. She's exhibited her art and spoke of the importance of resistance through the art in more than 10 countries and is a 2020 winner of the Hassan Kenefeni Resistance Art Scholarship. And we are proud to have her with us today. Listen up. Hi, Lina, and welcome to What the Health. Hi. So, you know, out of all the different artworks that we are going to be exposed, you know, over Instagram stories, you know, leading up to kind of um, the webinar that we have, um, we wanted to ask you, how did you discover art for yourself? So um, that's kind of a long story, but I'll try to make it short. Um, so I was born in Jordan. I was raised in the United States and then we moved back to Jordan. Um, and so it was a pretty huge shift for me as someone who whose first language was English, as someone who lived in a completely different culture and society to come back to Jordan and experience, you know, this brand new place, um, you know, these relatives that I'd never met or that I didn't remember, going to public school in the Middle East, all of these things were new experiences to me. And so as a way just to kind of cope with the depression and you know, the social anxiety and all of these kind of things I was going through as a teenager, I was in the eighth grade at the time, um, I decided to buy a watercolor set um, on the way home from school one day. And um, it's been magic ever since, you know, that watercolor set really helped me through a lot of hard times. I felt like I really found a place where I didn't have that anxiety. Um, I felt like I was me and I was comfortable with who I was and I was happy for the first time in a long time. Um, I think anyone who has moved schools as a teenager knows how hard that is. And so um, I just kept going and I kept getting better. And I, you know, I identified that this was something important for me to keep doing, um, not just because, you know, I got good feedback from relatives or my parents, but because it really allowed me to be at peace with myself. Um, and so ever since then, um, I've been painting um, slowly my styles and my uh, subject matters kind of evolved as I evolved as an activist, as in a person. Um, and I'm still doing it till, till now. And it's kind of become a career for me and a lifestyle for me. Um, so art isn't just a profession. It's more of, you know, an embodiment All of in. who I am as a person. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so do you still actually have that set with you? Is it still, you know? I do. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I do. It, it's very dusty now, but even the, the library where I first set, first bought that first set, I still go there all the time to buy my art supplies just because, you know, it's like nostalgia and it's like a special place for me. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I do think that art is one of the best ways of really expressing emotions and being able to kind of unlock, 
these feelings that maybe you can't put into words. And like, like you, I actually also switched schools. And I think that for me, you know, to an extent, art comes in very different forms. And so from my understanding today, you know, as a founder of um, Archie Smile, like, how is it that you're trying to equip, you know, the next generations with these tools that you discovered for yourself? Like, what's the mission behind it? You know, tell us more. Yeah, so really the inspiration for me, um, I, I feel like I've reached varying degrees of success through my art. I've, you know, accomplished different dreams, but I always wanted to benefit someone other than myself. So being just an artist for myself wasn't enough. Um, I felt like I wanted to reach those teenagers who were going through difficult times the same way that I was, because I know that if I hadn't found art, I think my life would have took a different path. I would have been a different person. I wouldn't have had as much self-confidence in myself. And so I really wanted to kind of replicate that experience for other youth in Jordan, particularly, um, especially those who are underserved youth. So um, youth living in refugee camps or in Eastern, Eastern Amman, underserved areas where they only have public schools that are very underserved. They probably have never even taken an art class because you know, given the educational system, art is kind of seen as something unnecessary or something extra. So they usually give art classes to, you know, other academic classes like math or English. Um, and so these are kids that are probably never uh, bought in an art set or have never really taken an art class. They've never been given a chance to really express themselves creatively. And so my main mission through Archie Smile was to really give the artistic experience to these underserved youth who really need it. Um, they, they usually come from uh, low economic backgrounds or they come from, you know, war torn countries or traumatic experiences. So they are really the ones that need art the most, but they're not given the chance to engage in art. Um, and so through Archie Smile, we've been, uh, you know, we've been working for the past seven years, actually. We started off as a volunteer initiative, and now we've kind of become a formal art center. Um, and we've been able to reach uh, a lot of youth. So I think the last time we, we checked, it was uh, around over 7,000 youth who have directly uh, engaged in our programs. And so that's something that's really important to me. And I'm really hoping that I can, you know, get bigger numbers and be able to to reach everyone that needs it yeah and you know one of the one of the words i think that uh, perhaps you coined right is this idea of artivism right or this idea of really using mean you know art as a means of activism and one of the questions that i'm i'm really interested to hear from you is what were these difficult hard moments in creating that culture of artivism, right? In your kind of journey to reaching 7,000 people. Yeah, um, so I think I, I really feel like art is kind of a tool um, that can give you a voice. And what we do in our programs, we really stress the idea of identity, of being proud of one's identity, because I think in order to become activists, we need to like really understand our, ourselves well. We need to know our values. We need to know our dreams. We need to know our strengths and we need to have confidence in our identity. And so our programs really touch upon these themes. 
um, because usually youth in the Middle East, in Jordan, particularly youth who are refugees who have disabilities, they lack confidence in their identity. Um, and so, you know, given like this global mindset that labels people in the Middle East as terrorists or, you know, as less than, as third world, I think we seriously have a self-confidence problem and an image problem. Um, and so for me, it was so important to use art as a way to allow youth to get in touch with uh, all these sides and to understand themselves better. Because once they do, that's when we can actually have youth who are able to change the world, to, who are able to change their communities for the better. Um, and obviously, there's so many challenges that come with that. I mean, art, as I mentioned, there's not really a culture of appreciation for art in Jordan. And the second thing is, there's there's not really an appreciation for activism either. It's kind of seen as something like dangerous in the Middle East, maybe, um, of like, oh, no, you shouldn't get pol pol political. You shouldn't be engaging in this kind of like civic action or um, it's kind of seen as, you know, something dangerous or something like against power or something that might get you in trouble. Um, and so we approach it in a way of it's it's more of understanding yourself, understanding the issues that your community faces um, and how you can tackle these issues. Um, and we hope that by doing that, we are activating this culture of artivism of that youth uh, can, you know, creatively um, express, you know, their their displeasure or um, like they can, they, they're able to express uh, what's on their mind in a positive and a healthy way. Um, and they can definitely have voices and they can say that we are not okay with this and this and this, but in a creative way that actually allows them to release, you know, these negative emotions, but also make them feel like they have agency and control of their lives. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I resonate with that so much having grown up in Egypt because, you know, I think for both my parents, there was always this idea of activism as something dangerous, as you were saying, like something as to avoid, you know, like demanding change is actually an issue and not the solution, it almost seems. And I think in in the way that you're you're kind of suggesting, it's almost like not not silently protesting, but protesting very proactively and very peacefully, right? I mean, a lot of um, different artworks that you have tackle, for example, the idea of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, right? And so, yeah. you know, and, and, and in that vein, it seems like art can be larger than that person. You know, it is tackling an issue that is seemingly perpetual um through the lens of one person like it is a it is a, a almost a perspective captured in time right um mm -hmm. but you know to to what you're saying and i think it's it's such a noble cause you know one of the things that i want to be bringing us to is the idea of burden right like so often people carrying the weight of pushing things forward meet these walls of doubt or fatigue and at the end of the day you feeling like the weight of 7,000 people on top of you is a lot to bear. And so, you know, did you, how is it, did you ever feel actually burnt out? Like, do you, did you ever struggle from, you know, advocating for this form of artivism in its purest form, um, so to speak, in this journey? 
Yeah. So actually for me, the burden was more than 7,000 for me, for me, I kind of, when I woke up to the Palestinian cause and the suffering that Palestinians um, go through, I actually took on the burden of every Palestinian around the world. I felt like this was my cause and it's my responsibility to somehow get, get the word out about Palestine and to make people aware of what's happening. And so I feel that as a real burden of like, why am I not doing more? Um, I should be drawing more. I should be doing more. I should be speaking more because these people depend on me, particularly those living under occupation. So I'm a Palestinian, but I'm in the diaspora. But, you know, Palestinians living in Gaza or in the West Bank are literally living through a brutal occupation. And, and that's affecting them in a very real way every single day. Um, and so that's a huge burden that, that I also shoulder. And yeah, sometimes it can get pretty heavy. Um, but I think as, I've, as I've, I've matured, I've understood that I don't really need to react to every single um, event with a drawing. I think the best way that sometimes we can serve these causes that we love so much is to be okay ourselves. I had a, a Palestinian ar activist artist who was telling me that the best way that you can serve this cause is to succeed and thrive in what you're doing. So even if that means like I am taking a year off to, to study my master's or I'm taking a year off to focus on my mental health and my family and my business and I'm trying to make a living. He was like, that's okay. You don't need to just continue being an activist and not have your life in order. So I think something that activists should really be aware of is that we can't help the world or we can't help others unless we're okay. And it's fine to take that time for ourselves and to really strengthen ourselves and our knowledge and then come back and continue the fight. It doesn't have to be a 24 seven struggle or fight that, that we're, we're forced to go into. Yeah. No, and you know, you can't always and consistently be on, right? It is exhausting. And so for you, like besides art, has then has there been other coping mechanisms for you in similar to what you were saying, you know, being able to sit down, being able to see your life for what it is and and accepting these accomplishments, but also recognizing that you need to take care of yourself. And so, like in that, how do you take care of yourself? Yeah, so um, there are different ways and different times. Um, I remember, uh, I, I don't know if you remember the Christchurch shootings in New Zealand. Um, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, uh, in, in Masjid al-Nur, I think it was called. I remember I was doing a drawing about that and I really wanted to spin it in a hopeful way. Um, and so I wanted to draw, there was this individual called, named Dawood. He, he kind of um, greeted the shooter in a very positive way. He said, uh, hello, brother. And I thought that was so inspiring. Um, and so I wanted to draw him. And I maybe repeated that video like 40 times just to get the details for my drawing. And after that, I kind of went into a very deep depression and I didn't understand why until I kind of tied it together of that, like all these drawings that I'm doing about war and about justice and about, um, you know, they're sometimes very brutal or they're sometimes very graphic. And I didn't realize how much it was taking a toll on me and affecting me negatively until that incident. And so I, 
I'm not someone who's ashamed to say that I've, for example, I've sought out um, positivity therapy or positivity trainings or uh, different forms of mental health trainings or therapy. Um, and so in that period of my time, that's what helped me cope of, you know, um, acknowledging that I really was in a bad place and that this kind of work was affecting me. And I kind of just stopped following the news for maybe around three months. I kind of gave myself a break of like, you don't need to read about every horrible thing that's happening in the world. Because at that time I was doing kind of like political cartoons. So every bad event that would happen, I would react with a cartoon. And so I gave myself that break. I sought out, uh, you know, professional help in terms of positivity therapy um, and these type of sessions that really allow you to kind of switch your mindset. And that really worked for me. And I think just taking that step of acknowledging that, okay, I need to, to make a change at this time in my life. It's really empowered me now of I'm more aware of what's happening with me in terms of mental health. I'm aware of like, okay, no, this is too much and you need a break. Um, and so some other breaks other than art, I would say, you know, exercise, jogging, uh, being with being in touch with nature is really important. I feel like for my soul, and so each person has a different thing, a different uh, kind of outlet where they can really breathe and take a rest. But as long as you take that first step of understanding yourself and being aware of what's too much for you, um, I think then you'll be fine. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it's very brave being able to take that time for yourself. Like there is, you know, a lot of power in being able to say, I cannot serve you if I cannot serve myself, right? Like I need to be able to first take care of myself to be able to take care of others. And it's the cliche idea of putting on your oxygen mask first, right? Um, and, And so I do think, you know, that it is amazing, you know, the way that you speak about it, the confidence that you are able to really bring to this conversation, which I think sometimes, you know, activists see it as we need to be consistently on the ground. We need to be consistently um, similar to what you were saying, like reacting, but there is also power in choosing what to react to and what, you know, and that you are not alone at the end of the day, right? Like you're, you, you want to be part of the movement and you want to inspire that movement so that you are not alone in it. And, you know, on, on the issue, I think of also, you know, this kind of burnout and, you know, the idea of creating movements, we can't, you know, um, ignore the elephant of the room, which is social media, right. And the anxiety that comes with this idea to look active, you know, to look, uh, as though you are engaged, involved, and consistently post, especially on Instagram. And so do you feel like social media has been a tool of change or do you feel like it carries more side effects? Yeah. So if you had asked me this question, like maybe three years ago, I would have, you know, praised social media so much because that's how I got started. (laughs) Like I started off posting my, you know, very silly drawings as a teenager on Facebook. And the, the reaction that I got to those drawings is what gave me the confidence to keep going. Um, And so I truly believe in the power of social media as a tool for activists all around the world, 
um, and really getting that visibility as we know that mainstream media doesn't focus on certain topics or it's very selective. Um, and so it's been amazing in, in getting the truth out. But at the same time, I feel like there's kind of been, you know, with the culture of influencers, um, I think sometimes what we see um, in terms of activism isn't always for the right reason. And I think um, last year when there was bombing happening in Gaza and Sheikh Jarrah and all these things happening in Palestine, I think that's when I really woke up to this dark side of social media of that so many people who were not related to this cause in any way or who had never been doing anything for this cause suddenly kind of jumped on the, the wagon or kind of followed that trend mm -hmm. to get more views and to get more followers and to get more visibility. And so they kind of used this cause, and I'm sure it happens with other causes as well, for their success and for their visibility. And this put me off everything, it put me off social media in such a big way um, that I'm not as active as I used to be on social media because I kind of had like questioned myself, like, am I doing this for the right reason? Am I posting this drawing or am I posting this video? For the, for the like, for, for the likes, for the followers, for the visibility, or am I doing it because I truly believe in this cause? And it kind of made me second guess myself every single step of the way. Um, and so, and, and also you have this pressure from your followers who are like, where are you? Why are you posting about this? The whole world is posting about this and you're not. And during that time, I had a lot yeah. of personal circumstances and it was the first time maybe in like, 10 years that I, I hadn't posted about something right when it happened. And I just felt like, wow, the world is so unforgiving. I've been giving all of my time, all of my life for this cause. And just for this one tiny lapse, um, I'm being attacked. And so it kind of showed me the ugly side of social media um, and, and, you know, the importance of really staying true to who you are and to your cause for the right reasons and not for fame or for followers or, or for any of, of that kind of noise or distractions. Um, and so that's something that I know that a lot of activists struggle with. Um, and it's important to have conversations about as well, because I don't think a lot of people understand like what's, what's happening on social media or why they're feeling like they should post or they can't post or, you know, it's, it's kind of a, another dimension to activism now. Yeah, no, and I think, you put it beautifully when you say this idea that you've been dedicating your life to this cause, right? It, it hasn't been, you know, this wagon wheel that you're jumping on. And when the sun sets, right, you're still working, right? Like when, when all is, you know, when the dust settles and everybody forgets about this issue and they focus on the next crisis or whatever, you know, the world is, is into, you're still giving workshops, you know, you're still running an organization that centers itself on a lot of themes that are relevant to this conflict. And yeah, I mean, I think we, there's this, I think, um, documentary on Netflix that talks about kind of the ugly, uglier side of social media and how, you know, you are kind of judged for what you post, how you post it. And the extent to which you are, for example, in activism and an ally, right, to other movements, as you were saying, right, like when we think about Black Lives Matter or other movements, the extent to which you are allied with that 
is also a, a part of the puzzle in making it online and making it on social media. And it becomes difficult because there are so many different causes. And if you're trying to, you know, do everything all at once, you won't be able to reach the people who need perhaps the content that you are trying so hard to push. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult, I think, to be able to, you know, really find that voice in social media. And so today, like when you, when you, when you think and look, you know, into the work uh, that you do online, who, who's that audience that you're talking to? Mm-hmm. So um, that's a difficult question. Um, and, and what you were saying about, you know, having to be specific or kind of, you know, be specific to a certain cause so that you can reach the right people. Um, I've actually been told by other activists of like, you should only focus your art on Palestine because if you focus your art on every like event of injustice or every cause of injustice, then you'll never succeed. You need to just focus on one thing. And I'm kind of against that. I feel like I, if something happens in Syria that I'm against, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. If something happens in Africa that, you know, if something happens in the U.S. with the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm going to talk about it because it's all connected. You know, there's, we really need to understand this concept of intersectionality and that, you know, the root cause of all of these injustices, all of these systems of oppression is really one. And so I think creating networks among different groups of activists is super important, just so long as you're respectful. Um, So I remember when I did um, a drawing for George Floyd for the Black Lives Matter movement, I drew a a Native American, a Palestinian and uh, George Floyd in the picture. But I was very aware that I'm not going to put Palestinian lives matter. I'm only going to put Black Lives Matter because, you know, there's that line of, Am I using someone else's pain and someone else's cause to get visibility for my own cause? Or am I really doing this to shed the light on their cause? And so that's something obviously to be aware of. So for me now, what I try to do is I just, I think all activists have empathy, right? But we also need to have values of, of, you know, being respectful um, and being very aware. Um, And so whenever I kind of struggle with, what to draw or how to how to approach a, a certain thing I just kind of um, you know look within myself and I, and I and I really ask myself like is this Lena is this what Lena believes in am I doing this for the right reason how can I do this in the most tactful and most beneficial way um, um, and so yeah and I think we don't need to really uh, restrict ourselves with one thing so I've always thought that art was my tool and my voice but we all have so many different talents. And so now um, I can do like TikTok videos speaking about politics, you know, without really hiding behind my art. I think, you know, it's so easy to be an activist as long as we just have confidence in ourselves and we just allow ourselves to be creative. Um, and so that's also something that I would say that <clears throat> our voice isn't limited to one outlet or one tool. Um, we can really explore different ways that we can get that message out there. Right. And, and, you know, hand in hand with this idea of intersectionality is collaboration. And through that, right, you're able to kind of amplify your ability to do things, to speak on things. Sure. And, and definitely, you know, being able to recognize where your limitations are on speaking on something is critical to being respectful. 
And so, you know, I think mm-hmm. I, I really like to end kind of this episode thinking, you know, larger scheme of things, right? To those, you know, looking up to activists like yourself, right? Or people who are looking into collaborative spaces uh, with other, you know, activists, what would your advice be to them looking at the world? Mm -hmm. So I would just say, give activists a break. You know, um, we're all living like very difficult lives. Like life is hard, right? In addition to, you know, this burden of trying to save the world. Like when I was young, I really truly thought that I was going to single-handedly save the world. And so um, we're all all very hard on ourselves. So we don't need other people being hard on us as well. So I just, I would just say, just be as supportive as you can, be as empathetic as you can, whether that's to to other activists um, or to yourself. Um, And in terms of collaborations, um, I think, you know, just looking outside of ourselves, looking outside of our own causes, of our own pain, because everyone is going through some sort of pain. Um, and, and there's so many causes that we can support. And so just, I think it's a good exercise to always try to read and educate yourselves on what's happening in other parts of the world and not just be in this closed bubble of like, okay, I'm Palestinian. And so I'm just going to be advocating for Palestine. No, it's important for us to always be educating ourselves and reading and helping and asking about other places and other movements and other people. And in that way, we're strengthening our own activism. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of my message to everyone out there. And on that beautiful note, thank you so much, Lina. It has been an absolute honor having you on uh, the podcast. And to all of our listeners, you can learn... Yeah, and of course, no, it's ours. And so to all of our listeners, you can learn more about Lina's work on Instagram, as well as watch the webinar with her and Dr. Kamru. Thank you so much and stay safe.